Hello everyone, I'm Andres Vélez. And I'm Maximo Kubilet. We are the Pearson Scoop, the SA FinTech podcast, where we talk about all things FinTech career. Welcome to our third episode on Summer Internship Series. We have Sergio Gutierrez here with us to share his experience at Verse. We'll be diving into his motivations to go into the industry, the recruiting process, what he did there, and his reflections on the industry. Sergio, welcome to the podcast. Nice to have you. Hey guys, thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's, uh, it's amazing to be here and I'm thrilled to, to start having a great conversation about FinTech and, and well, I can probably I can tell you more about my internship. Perfect. So why don't you tell us a bit first about your pre-MBA experience? Yeah, well, um, I've, been, I've been through several, like a couple career changes so far. I'm an industrial engineer by formation. I started working for FMCG at Procter & Gamble. I did some changes, then moved to Coke, then to L'Oreal. And after five years working in sales and marketing positions, I decided it was time for changing. And I joined uh, Peru's largest banking institution in the digital transformation team. So that's where, that's where I learned about actually financial industry needs a lot of, of disruption and innovation. And that's where my fintech journey started. Can you tell us a bit about the fintech that they were applying there at that traditional bank? It was a brick and mortar bank, basically branches, lots of people, 17,000 employees, and they decided to, to they, they realized their, their, their value proposition was com being commoditized. So if you are a commodity, you'd better be the one that has the lowest cost of serving. That's one. Another thing is no people don't like commodities. They, they look commodities as something, um, things that are useless. So you'd better have a great user experience if you're selling commodities. So th these were our, the two objectives of entering a digital transformation journey, selling cheaper and selling better. So that's what, that's, that's, uh, th those two were the bank's motivations for entering this, this whole program of digital transformation. So we started with the basic things, having our products digitized, basically open an account digitally in one or less than one minute, having a digital credit card, having a digital mortgage, a digital car insurance, so on and so forth. That, let's call it phase one. And that costs a bank almost $150 million across five years. So no, so it was super interesting. I was in the, let's say, let's call it a project management office. It was a two-person two, two team that was overseeing the whole digital transformation effort across the bank in every vertical and horizontal. So long story short, we created a lot of things such as a peer-to-peer -peer payments app, which now has 5 million users in Peru, which is around half or 50% of the total result market, which is, uh, which is amazing. And there's a lot of new digital products such as a point of sale lending, such as Klarna, for instance, and a lot of, of, of more fun stuff, but uh, I, I felt that I needed more in-hand experience with FinTech. That's why I decided to run an MBA and to transition my career to a 100% digital FinTech, probably elsewhere. 
And what is it about the industry that that motivates you, Sergio? I mean, I know you. We've we've talked about this interpersonally before, but I think it'd be really interesting to have people hear your perspective and 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 what drives you in this industry. Well, uh, money is not only important for people, but it's also for companies. So, money is going to be one of the one or two priorities in every single mind. So, having this, having this in like. Having this insight uh, opens your, your eyes, so there's a lot of things going on in, in, in the financial industry. And these things are inefficient, are, are expensive, are taking a lot of days to happen. So there's a lot of opportunities to, to, to harness. And, and that's why I got a lot of, I, my interest, my, my, my career shifted this way because there's, there's not only opportunity, but it's, there's also it, this is super relevant right now. So if we combine opportunity and, and being relevant, we get a lot of things happening such as investment, uh, M&As, companies wanting to, to transform its value proposition to a, to a digital one. So FinTech is, is, is the best of, of, two, of two worlds. The technology, which gives you a scalable, efficient, and flexible technology and a financial world which is as I told you relevant and it's always top of mind in, in, in people's in people's priorities. So building off of that, you know, when, when looking at a career in fintech, usually for an MBA there's two avenues. One is a product role, which is more technology driven, and then other is a business role, be sales, marketing, etc. Um, how did you decide in which path to go? Okay, first, first of all, let me give you some introduction here. Uh, both product and business, uh, product management and business development roles are super strategic. In a tech company, you either build a product or you sell it. So here are the, like the two most, uh, as you said, the two paths an MBA should or, or can choose after its, uh, its MBA. So my view on this is if it's a let's say early stage fintech probably you'll need to build something and test it and, and make sure there is a product market fit for your your idea or your product so probably if, it, if you're you try to join an early stage fintech you would join a product management role which is basically doing a lot of things translating user pain points into into technology and traducing business objectives into something that people might like this is the product avenue. The business development avenue, on the other hand, is when probably you, you are facing a more mature fintech and you want to create new revenue streams, create new, uh, open new markets, create new use cases for your product. It's pretty much creating value out of nowhere. Uh, this is super fun. I chose this path for my internship, uh, joining a, a, let's say, a scale up. Probably we can call it that way. And uh, doing just that, creating more value out of nowhere. In this case, was expanding the, the countries where birth was uh, operating right now. Sergio, that's, that's great. Uh, my next question for you is about the internship recruitment process. What was your experience? And can you tell us a little bit more about how you came to be adverse? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, that's a painful one because I, I recruited during COVID. Uh, let, me, let me give you some, some ideas here. Uh, when I first got to the MBA, I decided not to recruit consulting, not to recruit 
banking because I already had figured out my, my North Star, which is uh, going to fintech. So I decided to, to, be, to be bold and to follow this journey early on. That's why I started networking around February. I networked a lot, like recruitment in fintech in this part of the world is networking, networking, and more networking. So I might have talked with over 30, 30 fintech across uh, Europe and Latin America. After a couple of months networking, I landed a, a, an interview at Burst. Actually, ESA, an ESA alumni recommend me on, on, on forward my CV internally in Burst. He's the CTO of Burst. His name is Dave Garcia. He's an amazing guy. And he introduced me, my, he introduced me my, my future boss, the CFO. So we started networking, having uh, some conversations, talking about the industry, talking about my past experiences. And he really liked my profile because he wanted to pursue a monetization project during the summer because many people were more chill during the summer and we had more time. So uh, after some weeks, he gave me an offer just one week before starting. So I got my offer late May. It was um, a lot of, I felt super anxious by then, but, but receiving that call, like relieved me a lot because I, I, I had done a great job networking and, and this was the, the, the reward, having, a, having secured a, an amazing job in an amazing fintech here in Barcelona, which I really knew the product and I really knew the business model. So that, that was tough, but to, to make it short, networking, networking and more networking. Sounds like it really paid off. Yeah, absolutely. It did. Yeah. yeah, good. Congratulations on, on the process. Could you just, I think, I think would be helpful for, for our listeners would be diving into kind of how you went about the network. You know, you said you, 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 you contacted 30 fintechs, but exactly how did you do that? What was the process you decided to, and how did you decide which ones to, to, to message and how did you reach out to them? Because I think that a lot of people listening to this may think, oh, everyone says networking, everyone says networking. But how did you, you know, how do you go about it in a way that is professional and, 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 and works? And if I can add to that, what made you stand out to David? What, what made him want to give you uh, his backing, his support? Yeah, actually, uh, I went to, to meet Birth at their offices before COVID in a, in a trek organized by, by the Startup and Entrepreneurship Club. So we visited uh, fintechs and startups all over Barcelona. And we went to Burst, we had lunch with them. And during the presentation, I pretty much pitched an idea I had about, about Burst, which I think I'm a, I'm a heavy user. I was a heavy user by then. And I felt, hey, I know the product, I should pitch some new features. I might seem uh, that people would, would use them and would like. So I just throw the idea. I was, I, I was a little bit scared, but probably he laughed, but he, he really received it with open arms. And that made me that made me stand out from the beginning. So after that, during the, net, the networking event, I approached him. I said, "Hey, actually, I would like to 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 be networking with you early, like further on the year, because I'm looking for a, a summer project, and I I would love to do it here." And he said, "Okay, send me an email. Let's start talking." That was two weeks before COVID. So during COVID. As, as I told you, we, we, we just we were talking and talking and talking and, and afterwards 
he he found a necessity in the company and then he forwarded my CV one when the time was uh, was okay. But there is a structured way of networking. I approached uh, CDC and they gave me a lot of, of tips and tricks for, for me to, 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 to do this because it was a, the first time I actually networked for finding a job. So pretty much I did this. I, I trust ES's alumni network. I made uh, a list of fintechs that had one or two ESA alumni in their C-level or executive position. And I got like a list of 50 fintechs, not only here, but also in, in America and Latin America. So I just uh, paid a LinkedIn premium account and start, net, uh, start sending emails. Uh, I had several type of, e of, not emails, messages. Type, let's call it top, type A, B, and C. Each one of those had a difference, like one was more uh, direct, one was more like let just let's talk and another one was more aggressive okay let's talk this is my agenda this is my this availability so i started to having a data-driven approach to to networking and what works the best is the third one having hey my name is sergio i'm a student at yet business school i want to i'm looking for a summer project in fintech uh, I would like to talk about your experience. I find it super interesting. Probably you can help me finding a and securing a summer project. Not only in your probably not in your company, but elsewhere. This is my availability. I can talk Mondays or Thursdays from this to this hour. Please let me know if it works with you. Uh, happy to to or looking forward to talking with you, Sergio. That was it. And actually, this kind of email or message. Uh, had the best performance. Had actually got a lot of interviews because I used this 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 way. I also used a, a tool called, called Trello to to follow my my progress. It's like a basically a digital post-its where you can just funnel down all your progress. And the the main thing here is to avoid forgetting or or just missing that you have talked with someone because it happened to me. I sent. Like, hey, Maximo, uh, let's talk. But in fact, you were Andres or oh, the no. other way around. I talked to Andres about Maximo's company. And he said, like, hey, I'm in, I'm in another company. So these, these things happen and it's normal. So to avoid this kind of uh, noob mistakes, take this structure approach. Uh, it worked for me. It might work for you as well. That's fantastic advice, Sergio. Thank you. So tell us a bit more about Verse itself. Um, for those who don't know about it, uh, who are the founders? How did they get this idea? What products do they offer? And what's their physical footprint? Amazing. Uh, let me start with Verse value versus value proposition. They are uh, versus a payments peer-to-peer. -peer, let's let's put it this way: a social peer-to-peer -peer payment app. What does this mean? That it works as a wallet. You money in with your credit card, with a bank account, or with another bursar that might send you money. Then you have a, a positive balance, and you can access to your con your phone's contact list. So any friend that has bursts and is in your contact list is in your burst network, and you can send, receive money from them. You can create uh, groups such as you are doing that in Splitwise. You can create events. You. You can charge either zero or a paid ticket for it. Let's say, a par let's call it a barbecue, a party, whatever you want. And finally, you have a social, a social feed like a Facebook wall in which people are sharing 
their payment activity and, and all your network can, can take a sneak peek at it. You might find it cool or not. If, if it's the, the, the latter, you just can put a, a private functionality to your feed. So it's totally up to you. The, the value proposition of Verse is removing friction from payments and friendship by making money transfers instant, free, and fun. So this is how they, they, they are approaching the European market and, and so far it has uh, paid off. Uh, talking about physical footprint, they are in, in basically in all of Europe, but most concentrate, more concentrated in Spain. Around 80% of their one and a half million users are in Spain. They are, the Verse is also present in Portugal, France and Italy and looking forward to expanding to the whole European Union. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big first user. Same, same. <laughs> I just used it this morning. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and for those in the US, it's very similar to Venmo. Right, which, which may be its biggest uh, threat now, no, uh, at, at the moment. Exactly, exactly. Actually, you, I forgot to mention, about, uh, mention something about the founders. The founders were uh, three Spaniards that uh, met uh, in Stanford University. They came back to, to, to Spain and wanted to do something like it was, it was a complete, uh, it was a different value proposition like five years ago. They wanted to have a, a wallet that allowed you to withdraw money from your Bitcoins. So you can buy Bitcoins and hey, I want to have cash or send money to my friends out of my bitcoins. So these guys uh, stick to the early definition of what a cryptocurrency should be, like a way of exchanging value, not a future or a derivative. But that was the first value proposition and, and, and an investor, an angel investor, which is a current CEO, got super interested and he was one of the earliest investors in the company. After some hustles between angels and, and founders that I'm going to mention here, the, the, this, this guy, he's called Bernardo Hernandez, he took over the company and he hired another CEO to make it grow and now he stepped in and he's the, he's the current CEO of the company as of 2018. Yeah, that, that's a great story of pivoting. Um, obviously, you know, if you're in an early stage startup, a fintech, you always need to be thinking about how can we change to make this better. And, um, Definitely. It's a pretty big change from Bitcoin to, to, to euros. Uh, so why don't you tell me more about your summer internship? What did you do for them? What was a typical day like? Uh, and what surprised you about working in fintech versus the expectations beforehand? No, amazing. Yeah, I joined as a strategy and business development intern. So my, my initial job was to finding ways of monetizing the company. Actually, Beres is a pre-revenue company. They, they don't make money. They just uh, burn cash to, to call it uh, using a, a fintech jargon. They are uh, currently expanding throughout Europe. And my, my, my job was monetizing. So first, uh, I started doing some benchmark, uh, some analysis with you know, an attendant banking population, such as immigrants or, or students. But something really interesting happened during my first weeks of the internship. My boss approached me and he, and he said to me, hey, well, that back, then, uh, back then was confidential. I can talk it about right now. He told me, hey, we are being acquired by Square. So please help me out with this analysis while we finish the due diligence. 
And probably if, you know, the gods smile to us in two weeks time, we are part of Squared right now, not, we are not a startup anymore. So I thought, wow, this is super interesting. This is not only, I landed not only one of, like a dream job for an interview, I'm experiencing an acquisition by the largest fintech or one of the largest fintech worldwide. And hey, and I helped my, my boss, he was a, he's a CFO with some fraud analysis. So we, we could comply with uh, Square's regulation. And finally, the, 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 the transaction was, was done and we were part of Square. And actually, I remember the next day, my, my boss approached me and, hey, hey, and, and said to me, hey, Sergio, forget about monetization. We, are, we need to expand. So this, is, this, is, this comes from headquarters in San Francisco, all over from Jack Dorsey. <laughs> no, actually, did not, that not happen that way. Did, Actually, Cash App was the one acquiring Burst. Cash App belongs to Square. It's in its uh, ecosystem of companies. And Cash, Cash App was uh, including Burst in its value proposition. And they wanted to expand. And my project from monetization shifted to uh, European expansion. And I would like to connect this with your, your question, Andres, about my expectations. Europe is uh, around 40 countries in the European Union, and each one of them has a different payment infrastructure, all governed by a, let's say, pan-European payment regulation, which is PSD1. So I had to learn a lot about regulation and about local payment infrastructure. Before, before starting to, to measure the potential and, and feasibility of expanding to a new country. So my expectation was, hey, I'm going to actually create a lot of, of, a lot of cool PowerPoint presentations, uh, talk a lot with users, but actually I spent a lot of time uh, understanding and reading about regulation and that was super new for me and I am thankful that I did it that way because now I, I, feel, I feel I'm more prepared to face the fintech world because fintech is not only financial industry and technology, it's, a lot, it's in the same proportion regulation, so this was super important. And the, about the everyday at birth, I would say it was pretty much talking with users because I needed to find countries that were or had a good product market fit. I talked with a lot of operations because we need to comply with local payment infrastructure and did and did required like having a small pop-up message when you did some transactions or just testing the instant feature of birth because as I told you before, birth uh, offers instant money transfers which are not present in many countries. So I talk a lot with operations and finally with growth because we were trying to find use cases for, for us to grow in each country. Each country uh, presents different use cases. For instance, in Spain, people send money because they split bills, but in other countries such as Greece, they, they send money to, people send money to their relatives spread throughout Europe. Normally it takes two to three days and depending on the on the amount transferred, it takes up to five percent in fees. So imagine three days and five percent in fees. Birds was solving this problem with instant transfers and zero fees. So could you imagine the the advantage of this product in Greece? It's a complete completely different use case. Wow, that is a tremendous use case. Something that caught my attention was you mentioned about compliance. Uh, coming from a big traditional bank. I was surprised when I initially started there how much focus is on compliance and how quickly that is growing. Uh, you have more and more uh, compliance roles 
at banks and fewer business roles. Um, tell me a bit about Verse. Uh, how, how are they doing it? From, from my impression, a lot of people go into fintech not expecting that compliance aspect, but they later have to catch up and do it. Exactly. Well, Verse is, uh, like every financial company, it's super regulated. The license is based, on, it's based in Lithuania. So Verse has a Lithuanian officer who, who is proficient with Lithuanian law and European law. And she is uh, capable of, of, of guiding birth throughout every single update on, on regulation. So to give you a hint about a simple process during the, uh, the customer onboarding, which is where when you upload all your personal information. So Lithuanian law has a, a, a requirement called proof of life. What, what's proof of life? You have to do two things. First, taking a picture of your ID, like both ways, and take a selfie because uh, you need to process these three sources of information in an algorithm. Basically, it matches your ID picture with your with your selfie, and it reads a three-line code present in your in every European ID called MRZ, or also present your passport. It has two lines there. So this is very important, and all of this information goes to the Central Bank of Lithuania for bookkeeping and, and, and being uh, uh, storage there. So this way we prevent, well, BERS prevents anti-money laundering, financial of, of terrorism activities, so on and so forth. So even a, a small fintech here in Barcelona is hyper-regulated by uh, uh, the Central Bank of Lithuania and is passported to all over Europe. A fantastic summary of, of one of the biggest trends happening now in fintech. I think we're going to dive deeper in a future podcast on compliance and AML and KYC uh, procedures in the fintech space. I think for now, what other big trends do you see in, in fintech right now, Sergio? Yeah, that's an amazing question. It's actually, in my view, open banking. Do you remember the technology I mentioned a few seconds ago, how Veris is doing its KYC. Well, it's using an open banking solution. It connects with an API to a vendor that provides this KYC uh, service of basically analyzing IDs and selfies. So open banking is a way that uh, all financial institutions open the user's data to all the ecosystem. Why? Because the data belongs to the user, not to the financial institutions. So every single company that can or that has the technical capabilities of connecting to this, let's call it that data, data universe, can uh, first of all withdraw information with the user's authorization, and second process it to offer a business uh, a service to the user. So let's put it this way: with an open banking, right now you can do a lot of a lot of services. Two are super regulated by the PSD2 European regulation uh, that allows you to do one payment initiation, basically disintermediating a fintech or a bank in a way that you can connect with your retailer or let's say a cinema to pay for, for something. So I can connect to my favorite cinema to pay for my, for my tickets without going through a bank or a fintech. That's, that is amazing. And that is the first leg of the PSD2 regulation. The second leg is the aggregation of personal information. Let's put it this way. You have in one view all your bank accounts, all your insurance, or your all your assets that are being invested right now. 
and you connect this information to all the parties managing your financial data with open banking. That's great. It makes things much more efficient and encourages startups to, to join the universe. Exactly. It's a, it's a huge opportunity. For instance, uh, Plight, it's a company that was recently acquired by Visa in the US for around $5 billion. There's other players here in Europe, such as Think from, from Sweden. They just raised 200 million euros before COVID for entering the Latin American market. In LATAM, Mexico is the most advanced country in terms of, of open banking regulation. Brazil is following and also is Colombia. So Think is, is waiting for you know, COVID to, to disappear or to be more controlled to start its expansion either to Mexico or to Brazil. So there's a lot of things happening with open banking, not only here in Europe, but also in, in the Americas, both North America and Latin America. Thank you. And actually, in, in future podcasts, we will dive into fintech trends across the continents. Yeah. And uh, let me give you a hint. Uh, on November 9th, we have a masterclass given by Unax. Unax is a Spanish-based uh, open banking firm that's going to provide us with basic open banking knowledge and, and practical things for us to, to recruit in the industry. Now, those guys are absolutely brilliant. We've, we met with them last year and, and they came... Had a really nice chat with us. Uh, I think what they're focused, their product and the industry, the problems they're trying to solve or, or in the process of solving are, are at the forefront of, of exactly this. Uh, I think last couple questions are just uh, a little bit more on the fun side and, and more about what would you tell yourself a year ago? What would you tell first year MBA student, uh, first term Sergio uh, that you've learned in this process? Okay, first of all, research as much as you can. Uh, what's research for me? Uh, talk with people, uh, read news, uh, buy yourself a, like a Crunchbase uh, license, uh, subscribe to TechCrunch, be, as much, be involved as much as you can in the fintech industry to basically get two things. First, know what you like, and second, know how to start a good discussion because this i think in my view these are two uh, two super valuable skills in the industry which is super new that many people finding uh, recruiting any uh, it can be a product manager or a business developer would appreciate so if you can uh, talk your way out a good fintech discussion either because you love a topic or you are super proficient with with the industry you're gonna get super super good in a in a fintech interview so Try to uh, follow this podcast, follow the fint ESS Fintech Club uh, WhatsApp group, or just, you know, research a lot and share, and share your story. We're here to, to help you. Perfect. I think you started to answer our, our final question, uh, but if you could build on it, that would be fantastic. What books, blogs, or podcasts do you recommend? So... Financial Times has a super interesting section on fintech. So since we students have a, a pro account, it's it's on us. So we can we can serve from from that source. Financial Times. Second, uh, CB Insights has a lot of things to to talk about. They do very good papers and research about the industry. And finally, there's a podcast available on Spotify called Fintech Insider. So probably you can uh, listen to it. They have episodes every every other week and 
you can have you know very good first-hand knowledge about the industry and obviously Andres and Maximo Pearson Scoop thank you Sergio it's been a pleasure to have you absolutely uh, we are we are totally blessed to, to have such a great leadership in the in the fintech club Sergio is is one of the one of the leading officers of the ESA fintech club and most knowledgeable people at ESA and fintech ESA. and as an, obviously an incredible passion for the subject matter so take his advice and for those of you who are at ESA please reach out to him and for those of you who are not at ESA also reach out we'd love to collaborate uh, as well so thank you so much and we'll, we'll definitely invite you back for more of those deeper dives it's going to be my pleasure. Thank you guys for inviting me. I had a, a great, I had a lot of fun uh, this morning. Uh, looking forward to, to seeing you soon. Well, thank everyone for joining. Stay tuned. Until next time.